Welcome to the Surviving Second Gen Podcast, where we candidly discuss the mental health impacts of being a second generation immigrant in America. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, a Haitian American child of two immigrant parents, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. My hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling heard, understood, and empowered to apply tangible takeaways that can help you navigate all the things that come with being second gen. All right, welcome to episode four of the Surviving Second Gen podcast. So today we're going to talk about codependency, codependency in immigrant families. Um, let's talk about it. So as we learned from previous episodes, and not all episodes will be a continuation of the last, some will and some won't, but... The last one made me think about this topic because we were saying in the last episode, the inability to nourish independence in the stages of development for immigrant children does create setbacks in the terms of lack of confidence, uncertainty in self, and much more. But that also led me to think that this is also what perpetuates codependency. So, so codependence is literally the opposite of independence. And um, I think a lot of times when we think about codependency, we think about romantic relationships. Like we think about the partner or both partners where they're like so in love with each other to the point like their lives are completely enmeshed and it's just crazy and toxic and all the things that come with being in a codependent relationship. Um, And sometimes it can show up in even like severe levels of the the imbalance where it's like um, a domestic violence type of situation. So codependency can be on a range where it's like uh, an issue that is bad to an issue that can be extremely, extremely bad. But the thing is, though, codependency doesn't just show up in romantic relationships. It can show up in friendships. It can show up in work relationships. And it can show up in in families. Um, And codependency is not a clinical diagnosis. So it's something that a lot of people deal with and they come to treatment, come to therapy for it. But it's not something that... Um, you know, is part of the DSM that you diagnose somebody with. But it's actually a term that started around the substance abuse community. So it was used to describe the relationship between the person who was abusing drugs and their enabler, right? So um, basically the unbalanced relationship that happened in that dynamic is where the term codependency came from but it actually became pushed to describe other relationships after the first initial way that codependency was used so psychology today says that codependency is a dysfunctional relationship dynamic where one person assumes the role of the giver, sacrificing their own needs and well-being for the sake of the other, the taker. So let's talk about it. 
Um, because the way codependency shows up in, um, in immigrant families for me is interesting. And I preface this conversation about codependency to say that I understand the, I understand the concept of collectivism in a lot of immigrant families, right? So, A lot of times, and this goes back to really our roots way back, um, way back to Africa, we have a collectivism mindset, mindset, especially in black and brown communities. And a lot of immigrant um, communities have a collectivist mindset. And that mindset is really about one person sacrificing themselves or sacrificing their needs for the good of the whole. And in that concept, it's really a beautiful thing because it really boils down to it takes a village. So constantly individuals are evaluating things that they're doing and how it impacts the group as a whole. So when you think about collective successful collectivist societies, you know, if one person is doing bad, everybody's doing bad. It's one, if one person is doing good, everybody's doing good because everybody is looking out for the well-being of the person next to them. Everybody's making sure that the community is impacted positively overall than negatively. So it definitely is the opposite of the Eurocentric view of being very much independent, like the Eurocentric view is about you, um, you being an independent being, you doing your own thing, you have your own mindset, your own ideas, you live your life the way you want to. Basically, you do what you want, you're independent, and that's the way of moving about in this world, right? So that is very much the Eurocentric um, USA view of living, and that is definitely the opposite of a collectivist society. Where I find collectivism to be an issue is when when the sacrificing of one person happens more often than not. So let me explain. Right when we're talking again about collectivist society, um, it's it's constantly there are sacrifices that are made here and there by one person or another to make sure that the group is good, is is well, is okay. When it becomes an issue and how codependency shows up in immigrant families is that one person is always doing the sacrifice and the other person is always reaping the benefits of those sacrifices. So when that codependent relationship shows up, the person who is always taking, taking, taking is usually the one that's assertive, usually the one that's more controlling. They're the ones that are doing certain things so that the giver is always in a state of giving and um, allowing certain boundaries to be broken always people pleasing so always trying to make sure that what they do is in accordance to what the taker wants so what they're doing is going to make the taker happy um 
what they're doing is basically walking on eggshells because they want to make sure that that taker is okay. So that right there is a classic definition of codependency. So one person is just always constantly doing what they have to do to make sure the other person is okay in the relationship. One person is always uh, tiptoeing to make sure they don't upset the other person in the relationship. One person is making sure that they are not uh, disrupting the way that the other person wants things to be done. And if they do, then they know that there's going to be major consequences. Even to the point where the consequence of the taker is that I will withdraw my love or I will withdraw certain things from you, whether physical things or finances or um, certain emotions from you if you don't do things in a certain way. That's where codependency shows up in immigrant households. When we think about when we think about immigrant parents basically setting a particular standard that if you don't meet it, they take away certain things. They take away their love. They take away how much they appreciate you. They they take away how much they talk about you, right? If you don't show up for them in certain ways. That's codependency. Because you as an immigrant parent is putting the child of immigrants in a position where where they have to do every single thing that you ask them to do so that everything is okay. That's a codependent relationship, <laughs> okay? When you have to basically adjust every part of your life to make sure that you're not ruffling feathers in a way that will make the other person uneasy is the dynamic of a lot of immigrant households. And that is unfair. (laughs) That's not how it should be. There should be boundaries. And in a codependent relationship, there's little to no boundaries, right? So the person can ask of you, the person who's the taker can ask all these things of you with little to no regard to your ability to do it, your ability to want to do it, um, you know, just allowing you to make a choice to do it, it, it becomes a, this is what has to be done. Um, the person who is the taker can be very reactive. So if they assign a task or expect you to do something and it's not done in the immediacy, um, the taker becomes very upset or um, disgruntled because this thing is not happening in the way that they believe that it should happen. Um, The communication, (laughs) which is a huge one, is really bad in in the codependent relationship because again, the, the person has an idea, the taker has an idea of how things should work 
And instead of a lot of times being very straightforward about these are the expectations and this is why, um, they can sometimes come off as passive aggressive or just aggressive um, and putting the person in a position where they, they're kind of lost. They're not sure what's supposed to happen. They just know that there may be or there is some type of um, expectation that's there for them as the person who is the giver. Um, and they have to really be in a position to, f- to figure it out. Um, controlling, controlling behaviors is also another, another way that it shows up in immigrant households when codependency is happening. And, and I'll use this as an example. Um, when we're talking about Haitian households, when you are a, um, a young woman, in a Haitian household, for a lot of young women, the idea is that until you are married, you do not move out of your parents' house. That's just not something you do. That's not something that's done in Haiti. And whether you live in Haiti or America, if you are not married, you do not move out of your parents' house, right? So that is an expectation that is there. So for some you know, women, they end up, you know, being grown women who are not married yet, right? They can be in their 20s or even 30s and they choose to stay at home, you know, whether they felt like they had to or they just decided that's the best choice. But then what happens when that woman is in the home of their immigrant parent is the issue of conflict, tension, um, inability to release control, um, sometimes manipulation, um, sometimes poor um, ability to communicate, all hap- happening in the household, a codependent household where the immigrant parent um, decides that this is how certain things are going to be without allowing the child of immigrants who is living in that house to have their sense of independence. So those poor, those lack of boundaries or none whatsoever looks like calling that child of immigrants when they're out asking them where they're at like every couple of hours because they're not in the house or if they decide to go somewhere with a friend you're upset because they're leaving the house and they're not at home doing something that you wanted them to do for you or asking them to do something for you at the last minute and not having a regard for their time and things that they want to do because you have an expectation that they should just be ready to do things for you or 
that young woman trying to go on a date let's not even talk about dating okay (laughs) them trying to go on a date or try to go somewhere with the opposite sex and that becoming a thing where you know that immigrant parent wants all the information of what's going on and they can't even date as a grown woman this is how codependency shows up in in immigrant household when a child of immigrants especially women are still living at home right and it becomes an imbalance because that's literally what codependency is an imbalance in the dynamic of the relationship where one person wants to have every single thing go their way in a way that they feel like meets all of their needs and expectations and for immigrant households their cultural ideals that puts the the giver in a predicament where they can't even establish boundaries they can't establish any type of independence um they are not allowed to express any kind of in emotional distress um so so it becomes a a stressful relationship as a codependent relationship does become because you have one person who basically is controlling the narrative and controlling how things are going when the other person almost doesn't have a say so and the only reason that the other person right the child of immigrants is allowing this is because sometimes the taker the the person in the codependent relationship that has more control holds things against you so if you don't do things in a certain way there's threats there's guilt there's shaming um you know all these reactive ways of making a person feel like uh they have to walk on eggshells that's an unhealthy imbalance and might i say toxic I don't like to use that word for everything, but I feel like that's toxic. And um, for me, it doesn't sit well with me that for a lot of children of immigrants, they have to deal with this imbalance and feeling and, and, and knowing and dealing with the fact that they're in a codependent relationship with their mom, their dad, or both, with their siblings, um or their aunts or their uncles or whoever else is in the house that that's what they have to deal with so that i don't think is okay and for me the healthy solution to codependence is interdependence right so as i was saying before the collectivist society the ideas of this collectivist societies is a good one and it works in certain communities and um it works in certain communities and it can be effective however when you think about a child of immigrants who is a first generation american and they're navigating that while at the same time having to navigate the values of their um of their native culture i believe that interdependence is the good way to bring those two things together to bridge the gap between those two things and let me explain interdependence is where the balance comes into a relationship right 
So when we think about the ideals of the modern day U.S. citizen, there is this push for independence. And I don't believe that uh, being super independent is a good thing. It's not. Um, And I tell my clients this all the time. We're not meant to do this world alone. So, um, yeah, the super independence is not great. At the same time, being super dependent, codependent, is not great either. But when you have interdependence, you all are having a relationship where you're balancing each other out. So um, there's a balance of yourself and other people within the relationship. You are in that type of relationship. You both are trying to meet each other's needs. It's not one person that's always doing the things that meets the needs of another person. Like they're both sacrificing things at times. They're both doing the things that make sure the other person feels okay, right? So it's not one person who is demanding of the other person and who expects the other person to show up another way. They both have expectations of how they need to show up And there's a balance there. So there's a balance of self versus the other versus the other person in the relationship. So going back to the example of the young woman who's living in a Haitian parent's household, that that can be a situation that can work out well for both individuals. And I feel like in an interdependent relationship, both of the people are going to benefit from uh, that young woman living at home. So for example, for the young woman who ends up living at home, it's a great thing for that parent, right? So that parent is going to be helped by their child because, you know, ideally that child is going to help cover some things. So that's a, that's a good thing for the parent. The parent is going to get help with some of the things that they may need help with. So especially if there's a language barrier, right? I know for me, when I moved, when I lived at home or even until this day, there are things that I help my parents with because they have a language barrier and there's things that I can do for them quicker and easier that they, you know, can't do as as quickly for themselves, right? So there are ways that that child shows up to make things easier and more efficient in the household. Um, You know, help with chores and other things that are going on in the household that needs to be done and completed is another thing that happens when that child of immigrants is living in your house, right? So there's the things that are good for for the parent but then on the other end for the parent to not make it a codependent relationship that child's boundaries needs to be respected right so for the the child to be able to balance what they're doing versus what they the the parent wants them to do that parent needs to be able to communicate what they need done and give that child a certain time right an amount of time to get it done by right sort of like a deadline to give them some time to work through that and not requiring that immediacy 
at the same time that child is communicating with that parent some of the things that they have going on in their life, right? So what things are happening without the judgment of the parent, right? So that they can have honest conversations and communicate effective, healthy communication to manage some of the things that are happening in the household. So I can't be, I can't do this and show up for you in this way at this moment because I have a plan to do this, right? And the parent being okay with that because understanding the importance of that child having independence. So there's things that they enjoy doing alone by themselves and that parent being okay with that. There are things that they may enjoy doing with friends and other people in their lives and the parent being okay with that. So that's how an interdependent relationship happens. Both of the people have their freedom and are able to to do things on their own, but then they still can come together and do things together and have a great relationship. And that builds the emotional piece of the relationship, like the emotional intimacy of that relationship, because they have things that they can actually enjoy with each other and have, you know, and really have time to really spend with each other and understand each other and, and, and grow with each other in a, in a, in a beautiful way, in a way that bonds them that they wouldn't have, wouldn't be able to do if they were not living in the same household. So that's how that interdependent relationship becomes healthy because there's healthy boundaries between each other. They're actually communicating with each other and making sure that each person is heard. So yeah, it it becomes a beautiful thing because they create a space where each person counts on the other person and it can be financially, they count on each other, on the other person. And it can also be emotionally, right? So they have a space where they can be vulnerable with each other and they can talk about the things that they feel like, you know, can help them build that emotional intimacy. And they have a safe space with each other to do that. Um, And that's when you know what the other person likes and they know what you like. So you guys can actually work on making these things happen for each other. Because again, you're trying to have a balanced relationship, not one where one person has has the control or and has the power per se, but it's a relationship where it's healthy and each person allows the other person room to grow, to evolve, to be their own being, their own self. And I think that has to really, really be, um, that stage has to be really set for children of immigrants because it is already hard to balance the messages that you get from two different cultures and figuring out which message is correct and which which message you're supposed to not listen to and all of that. But when the immigrant parent allows for interdependent relationship, both people get the best out of it. Like it's good for that child of immigrants and it good and it's good for that adult parent. Like both people get to see the fruit of that. And I think that's something that I want to see more is both individuals understanding the power of being in a super healthy interdependent relationship. Um, I want to see immigrant parents see that and not default to these codependent behaviors 
And I want to see children of immigrants see that they don't have to fall into um, into people pleasing and trying to uh, adhere to the behaviors of the codependent parent. Um, I want the child of immigrants to see that there are, of course, benefits to being around a parent who loves you and cares for you and sacrifices things for you. And there's ways to have that and still to have that healthy relationship and still establish your boundaries. And I want adult immigrant parents to see that there's ways to love and care for your child and protect them and want the best for them and still allow them to be the best version of themselves that they see. That's all, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's what I want to be able to see. So I leave you all with this to really think for yourself, you know, as a child of immigrants, how this has shown up in your life, how codependency has shown up in your um, environment and how you can really um, combat that to really show up again as your uh, authentic self because that's really what it's about it's about how can you show up in the way that makes you feel the most um okay that that fills you that that fills you up that fills your soul your mind and your body up so how can you do that while st- while still balancing the expectations of your parents who may see that in a totally different way but helping them to understand why it's important for you to show up in the way that you want to show up. So thank you for listening and tuning in to another episode of the Surviving Second Gen podcast. I really hope that this sunk in with you and that you took something from it. And if nothing else, I'll see you all in the next episode. If you found today's episode valuable or this podcast as a whole, I invite you to leave a five-star review and also leave a comment letting others know what you gain from this episode. This allows for our podcast to gain more visibility and for it to reach the people that want to hear this information. Also, we invite you to engage in the comments on the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, so we can continue this rich conversation that we're having today.